So today's gospel is from the first chapter of Mark, beginning with the 12th verse. At once, the same spirit pushed Jesus out into the wild, and for 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested. Wild animals were his companions, and the angels took care of him. And after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the message of God. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Uh, passing along the beach of Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing. Fishing was their regular work, and Jesus said to them, Come with me. I will make you a new kind of fisherman. I will show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions. They dropped their nets, and they followed. A dozen yards or so down the beach, he saw the brothers James and John, Zebedee's sons. They were in a boat, mending their fish nets, and right off, he made the same offer. And immediately, they left their father Zebedee and the boat and the hired hands and followed. This is the good news of Jesus the Christ. All right, so, you know, the obvious question, this is the second week in a row mm -hmm. that we've had a reading about Jesus calling his disciples together. And the way the authors do this, okay, is, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm a 21st century guy at this point, so, you know, I hear the story and I kind of sit there and go, yeah, right, whatever. We can't even get people on staff without going through months of training. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. We can't even walk down the street and look at somebody and say, oh, by the way, Gentle Spirit Christian Church has this really great ministry. Come and follow. And have people drop what they're doing and come follow us. So, i got to tell you, in these stories, they're either leaving something out Or the message is different than the way it's been preached. Because we've heard for years, right, that this is just, you know, hey, Jesus is the man. Amen? He is the man. If he walks up here today and said, hey, come follow me, we've got it in our heads that we would sit there and go, okay, just drop what we're doing. But I guarantee you that if Jesus showed up dressed the way he was dressed at the time, showed up here, and said, come on, you'd want to know whether he had just gotten out of a mental hospital. You think I'm kidding? Wrong weather for Sandler. I mean, think about it when you walk down the street and you see somebody walking down the street. How often do you look at that person and go, oh, my, they're homeless. Uh -huh. I came out of a meeting yesterday up in Tucker and there was some kind of church group that meets on Saturday night and they were all dressed in this attire, men and women alike. You know, they were in these, what do they call them, tashikis? And daishikis and all of that kind of stuff. And I even caught myself sitting there going, what kind of church is this? I'm telling you, if we're really honest about this, 
The reason we don't pay too much attention to this story is because we didn't get everything about it. The authors decided that we just needed to understand that it was Jesus. And that Jesus had a message. But, you know, Peter, hello, he was a business guy. He owned his own boat. You know, back in those days, that was, that, hello? You the man. You making it. And James and John, they were working for the Father. How many of you are just going to drop what you're doing and leave your family? This isn't one of those things where you say, right, sounds good, I'll fish for people with you on Friday afternoon. So what is the message? The message isn't in the drama of people just dropping what they're doing. The message is in the call and what it's going to do to you. That's what you got to concentrate on. Because let's think about what had gone on. Look at the timeline, folks. Jesus had just come out of the desert. Amen? The one thing that Mark doesn't mention is somewhere uh, prior to going to the desert, who had he visited? His cousin. And his cousin had baptized him. Now, we've got Jesus all along, growing up, knowing that God is pushing at him. Have you ever had that feeling? You know, it's just a push. It's just a push. Push. Do this. Do that. I know that you've all done that with your own lives. There's, there's a whole list of things that you're supposed to be doing. Amen? Amen. And about the time that you sit down to play with your PlayStation, watch a TV program, or pick up a book, you sit there and go, I should be doing. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Or, or that friend calls you up, says, hey, let's go to a movie. <laughs> well, I, I, I should be, should be, nah, the movie's fine. Let's go. <laughs> Jesus isn't any different. And he finally makes this commitment to his mentor. I know we keep talking about John the Baptist, but let's keep in mind that John was six months older than Jesus. He was related to Jesus. And he had a message. And what was the message? He was telling people, look, you've gotten away from God. You've got to come back. Repent. Thank you. Turn around. And so Jesus heard that. And said, you know what? That's right. Let's do this. And so John baptizes him, and he ends up out in the desert. Now, my theory is that the time he was out in the desert, this whole story about that he was tempted by the devil, that's a nice story. Amen? That's a nice story. I think that what Jesus was tempted by was, what the hell do I do now? I've got this relationship with God. And you know what? I might be wrong theologically, but at least theologically I'm being honest. And you know why? Because every one of us who is called to ministry does that exact same thing. Anytime we make a life-changing decision, the next words usually out of our mouth is, Hey, this feels great! But now what the hell do I do? When you get married, amen, amen, sometimes it happens on the night of the honeymoon after the marriage. Sometimes it waits a couple of months 
before you sit there and go, what the hell have I done? And why is that? Because you know that you have made a decision and a choice that is going to change your life. It's going to change it forever. I always love it when new people come to Gentle Spirit Christian Church for the first time. You can tell whether they're going to stick or not by whether they've made it here a fourth week. I've, I've learned over 20 years that's kind of the line of demarcation. Because those first three weeks, they're like, hey, this is great. You guys are out in the park. Everybody's loved. Yaddy, 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 Okay? And then that fourth week comes along, though, and it's like, man, we don't do communion every week where I come from. Man, you don't preach like the preaching I'm used to. <laughs> and what is this about communion? Not only do we not do communion every week, where I come from, but you know, you guys just let anybody do it. And what is this? You're not concerned about people's gender identity, their sexual orientation. You're saying that God loves everybody. Where the hell have I ended up? And then they're gone. When you make a choice to be in relationship with God, your life changes. And that, my friends, is incredibly scary. Because that means that whatever attitude that you had coming into this is going to change. It means that if you're going to follow God, that means that you're going to grab a hold of this guy called Jesus. <laughs> And you're going to try to do what he teaches. And what is it that he teaches? Well, there it was, wasn't it? Turn around. Come back to God. Amen. Get your relationship with God in sync. And everything else will be fine. You know, that was just the opposite of what these disciples were hearing in that day. There were all the rules and regulations as to whether they could go to temple or not. God forbid if you had a limp. God forbid if you didn't look just right. God forbid if you weren't Jewish. Where have we heard those conversations today? You know, some things just never change, does it? You know, if the homeless would just get a job. If somebody would just put in the offering basket. You people don't dress correctly. You don't have the right... See, none of that stuff has changed. So what is it that Jesus was saying when he said, turn around? And see, this is where I struggled this morning, Mr. Lance, as to what this message was really about. Because i got to put words in Jesus' mouth, but we can do that a little bit, because what? We're 2,000 years after the fact, right? So... When Jesus said, turn around, come back to God, what was he actually saying? Do justice. Be merciful. And walk humbly with your God. That will change your life, folks. And the reason I titled the sermon what I did is what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to lay down? To have that relationship with God. 
I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. Is there anything that if, if we were going to have a, a Sunday school class here and I was going to look out at you and say, hey, what are you willing to give up to service God, to be a servant of God in this community? What is it that you would give up? And before you get all high and mighty on me, understand that whatever it is, if it isn't your life, it's not enough. Now, Pastor, you just, you just messed up my day. I mean, I got a nice, comfortable home. I got a car. You know, I need a job and, and all that kind of stuff. But you see, you own your life. And you don't. Who gave you life? God. Amen. God asks you to be in relationship with God. And what is it that God requires? That you be fair. That you be merciful. And that you be humble with God. I tell you what, folks, on an everyday basis, you know, Deb, you had it right. You're listening to all this garbage go on out in, in, with the politics, and I can't take it anymore because none of it has anything to do with being fair. None of it has anything to do with forgiving. Now, and I, you know, y'all are going to think I have lost my mind, but you know the story that they come up with? that the president of the United States supposedly had some affair with a prostitute and then supposedly paid a hundred and some odd dollars or a hundred and, I don't know, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep him quiet. And I know that there's people out there going, see, he is really a bad man. <laughs> Come on, Paul. I, I got the Paul. <laughs> Here's my response to that. Get the hell over yourselves. Because you don't want anybody looking in your closet. And you got no business judging his marriage. And to use that as a reason for whether you're going to be involved and do the things that you're supposed to do, like vote and participate in your community, is ridiculous. Jesus said, stop it. Turn around and come back to God. You follow. Is that a mind your business suggestion? If you want to know how to do this, Here's how you do it. Be real. Be vulnerable. Be honest. You know, how many marriages end in divorce because one or the other partner can't be vulnerable? One or the other partner can't be honest. One of the other partners can't be real. Come on now. I can tell you, it happens about four to five months in. You know, when the job comes up or somebody's working too much or you're worried about where your partner's at, be creative. You don't have to do things the same way. That, my friends, gentle spirit is heard. But it's also very difficult for us, amen? amen? Because we still 
we still want to do church, amen? And I know that every time Lance has talked about, you know, we don't have to do a performance. We can actually worship. And then we kind of sit there and freeze in a moment because we go, well, what does that mean? <laughs> Be spiritual, not churchy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I got it. Be patient. Be ready for surprises. That's one of the greatest things about being outside. Amen? How about being willing to step out of your comfort zone? Be on the lookout for where God is working. And maybe most importantly, and it, 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 it struck me as I was putting this sermon together because I have been struggling with this whole idea of intercessory prayer, Reverend. Because I was sitting there thinking, you know, we're a praying church. Amen. We are a praying church, amen? We do it. I don't know what your prayer lives are like at home. So why did God send to us a person who was going to be in charge of intercessory prayer? Amen. Where did that come from? What is that about? And then it hit me. I looked up intercessor. Man, it is stepping out of your comfort zone. You know why? Because you ain't praying for you. You're praying for everybody else. Intercession is about stepping out of yourself and praying for those around you. How many of you can do that? I know that there's weeks, if we're honest about this, Dwight, and I'm not using you as a... Well, yeah, I'm going to use you as an example. You know, Dwight in his uh, more challenging moments, uh -huh. is hard to get along with. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> but he's still here. You know why? Because there's a whole bunch of people that have stepped outside of themselves mm -hmm. and pray for Dwight. Yeah. You see, what I have come to realize is that's really what this message is about this morning. Right. Is doing for people yeah. what they cannot do for themselves. That's the relationship with God. That is what we pull back. It is doing for others. It's not about us. We've got to understand. we got to get out of this capitalistic way of thinking. You know, the capitalistic way of thinking is what? I invest... I get a return. Amen? I invest, I get a return. We have got to get out of that because if we believe what Jesus taught, which is to be fair, to be merciful, and to walk humbly with God, we're not invested in anybody but who? God. And the return that we get for that is our freedom. Is our ability to live and know that nobody can get between us and God. To be able to live and proudly be gay or straight, black or white, trans or cis, it means that we know that God has uniquely and wonderfully created us just as we are. So when you hear those words from Jesus, the good news, repent, the kingdom is here. Know that that is exactly 
what he's talking about. And yes, I will drop whatever I'm doing if I can be free and know that God loves me unconditionally. Amen. God bless you. Amen.